Welcome to the Women on the Rise podcast. I'm Jen Blandos, and I am so excited to share with you that for the next 30 days, I am introducing you to 30 of Female Fusions members from around the world. They are going to share with you their stories of entrepreneurship, their highs, the lows, what inspired them to get into business, which I hope will inspire you along your entrepreneurial journey. Welcome to the Woman on the Rise podcast. And today I'm in London and I'm interviewing one of our fabulous members here who is a lawyer, Gita Daswani, who works as a corporate lawyer here in the UK. And I wanted to introduce her to you and talk all things legal, how it's related to small businesses. Welcome to the podcast, Gita. Thanks, Jen. So I'm really delighted to have you. And I love, I love geeking out on law and talking about <laughs> how that relates to business because it's so interesting that it's one of those things we don't think about, yeah. but it's so important as well. So before we jump in, maybe if you want to tell everybody a little bit about you and your business that you built here in London as well. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, I am a sole practitioner. I started my own firm in 2019, not the best time considering yeah. the pandemic <laughs> followed soon after. Uh, but it's um, it's been a wonderful journey, Jen, because, you know, being a sole practitioner allows me to, kind, to, to work with the kind of clients I want to work with. Um, and as you said, it is really interesting. I love the world of business and that's what I specialize in. So um, my firm, my practice, is very niche um, commercial and corporate is all that I do um, on the non-contentious side so I don't do disputes uh, but the idea is to help businesses create that solid legal framework that can actually help mitigate risks for them yeah I mean so so important as well yeah and I love what you said too just from like the owning a business side that isn't yeah. it so nice that when you have your own business your own practice that you work with who you want to work with yes exactly and I love all my clients and in fact sometimes <laughs> I have to be well clients do become friends and then yeah. sometimes you you've got to think oh am I a professional or am I their friend but it's lovely to have that kind of relationship as well but I think when you're a smaller business and I find this even within female fusion and with some of our members that there are people that you meet that you never would have necessarily have met and True. they become your business besties and very close friends because True. you're going through similar things at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And most of my clients are actually um, small business owners, SMEs as well, but I enjoy working with the smaller ones because yeah. I feel like I'm a part of their journey and um, I can relate to so much of the stuff that they are going through uh, and I always tell them um, you know think of your legal framework as um, the roots of a tree so if the roots are solid your tree will grow it'll flourish it'll bear fruit and that's it There's such a stopping. such a great analogy with that as well and so many questions so first before we go into because um I would love this session as well to be something that a number of businesses can learn from because we haven't talked about law at all on the podcast yet. So yeah. I'm really glad that we're we're going to be able to talk about that. But I would love to to hear a bit more about you and your business and kind of talk about how you're running your business. And one of the things I would love to hear your your view on 
when we run our businesses, um, it's not easy. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's not easy it's having not, our own yeah. business. Yeah. And one of, like as we were saying, it's always nice to to work with people who we want to work with. What do you do when you have a client come to you who's maybe not like aligned with the the same values or the same ethics that you have in business? How does that work for you as a as a lawyer and as a business owner? So I mean, as a lawyer, um, maybe there's an added layer as well because. We are a regulated profession. So to start with, the first check that I have to do is, am I conflicted? And if I am, if there is any kind of conflict of interest, that's a straight no. Not because I don't want to work with the person, but because we have this professional code of conduct to adhere to and right. I and I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, we then also have KYC checks and yeah. AML checks. So there are these additional layers. And if something doesn't... Um, if it's not right and if it doesn't fulfill the criteria that they're supposed to fulfill as per the professional code of conduct, then there is no, not only me, it's any lawyer, they will not be able to proceed with the client. Mm -hmm. In terms of ethics and values, I don't know, you know, as they say, you attract what you want. And (laughs) I'm trying to um, um, consciously apply that. Yeah, because I'm wondering. So one of the things um, for me that I decided in in my business is that there were certain there were certain industries that I was like I just I disagree with. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to to work with them. Correct. And for me, one of them was um, was arms manufacturers. Yeah. And yeah. actually, when I had my other business, I actually had an arms manufacturer really? come to me okay. and ask if we would do work for them, and I was like, and the job would have paid a lot of money, and yeah. I was like, no, yeah, I don't. I don't want to work for you. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, fortunately, I haven't uh, had that situation. And um, I've fortunately, by God's grace, I've always attracted the kind of clients that, you know, I want to work with. And um, all the networking that I do, um, I'm, I'm always, you know, sort of reminding people I want to work with ethical businesses, yeah. cruelty free, sustainable businesses, change led businesses, women led businesses. And uh, I think when you repeat your call to action so many times, somehow they remember you and yes. that's the kind of clients you then start attracting as well. Yeah, that's that's so important as well. And to be really clear yeah. on who who you want to serve. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, um, it's not just the numbers. Uh, yeah. You know, having your own business, it's the reason you have your own business is you want it to feel rewarding also because you're working so hard. You don't want to be working hard for a feeling that is not a happy feeling. So, so, so true. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's what I love about having a business. You know, we, we make our own hours. Normally, they're a lot <laughs> longer than what we had yeah. in the day job. But you control those, right? So yeah. it is, um, It is, for example, if you want to go work on holiday or work in a different country or go visit yeah. your parents, yeah. that you can actually go and do that and yeah. work remotely, where maybe if you worked for a large organization, that that wouldn't always be possible. Yeah. I mean, of course, when you're in employment, it's a lot more structured. Um, and um, even I mean, the way I run my firm is I do follow, um, I, I do pretend like it's, you know, it's a 
city loafer yeah, and yeah. like these are the work hours and and all of that but um it it all depends on deadlines and how urgent sometimes you know i have to mm. work on urgent contracts and uh, i have a question for you yeah, about yeah, yeah. urgency actually and it's I, and i think it's probably not just lawyers it's a lot of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. where you do have the client or the customer who wanted it yesterday and who are very demanding and yeah. expect you to be able to deliver something urgently yeah. how do you how do you as a lawyer manage that is it just triple the price or <laughs> no 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 you know people have been advising me to do this <laughs> i haven't but i feel like so i always start with um with a preliminary call to understand if i am the right fit for it or not mm-hmm. um and if i feel like this is something i can deliver or sometimes actually requirements even change along the way i have had a situation like that when i was working through my cousin's wedding because suddenly <laughs> there was that sense of urgency which i didn't know before but once i've committed you know i don't want to then uh, i don't feel right to abandon the client and then okay. i do all that i can to deliver it and uh, and to be honest um Yeah that's the, the rewarding part of it is that I always get good feedback from clients and I actually won an award last year for Did being you? a client focus for excellence in client services. Oh wow what award was that? So that was the Reisman award um organized it was it was for for, for law firms yeah. and um they flew me to Nashville uh in the United wow. States and Congratulations. Uh, thank you Jen. So sometimes you know you yeah you may not um in that moment it feels like a lot of hard work and yeah. um and too many hours in front of the computer <laughs> uh, but then when you receive or when, when your work is recognized then you feel like That's okay amazing. it's worth something yeah. yeah so how have you found having your business then you've been doing it since 2019 are you yeah. glad you made the switch yeah i think um it's taught me a lot it's been a steep learning curve in terms of um confidence i think i was a different person in 2019 or before that um and yeah i i i feel like having your own business teaches you it does teach you a lot because no two days are the same right yeah uh and uh because you're wearing so many hats you acquire all sorts of skills <laughs> you know yep, jen yeah yeah <laughs> and uh i think um that's so good for our personal growth as well because you know we keep learning new things um mastering new skills and you never know you might just we might just use them um at some point or the other in our you lives know, i i love that about having a business that you can be constantly learning yeah and for me I absolutely love that that every week I'm like what can I learn this week? Because <laughs> there's so many things that are that are changing in this world for us that will help us run our businesses as well. Yeah. Well, honestly Jen, you are you are the absolute role model <laughs> if I may say so. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. <laughs> so many businesses, female fusion in itself, it's amen- it's it's commendable really. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I know I mean it. I mean I it, from from a female fusion perspective i look at things and go what do i need in my business or what mm. would i need if i was at this stage what would i need because i've had my businesses for over 20 years and yeah. i remember being stuck at certain places yeah and just wishing either there was somebody to talk to or there was information that i could yeah. access or 
ways that I could learn things that I didn't have access to to that network. So that's basically how how we're doing it on a global scale, which yeah. is quite cool. Yeah. No, it definitely translates into, you know, everything that we see because the the online portal as well. I've gone through so many of the modules myself. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I especially love the mindset one because, um, you know, all the other skills are amazing to have as well. But if you don't have the right mindset. Yeah. Uh, Do you know one one thing that I think is so cool that we have in our membership that a lot of our members haven't even tapped into is we do monthly mindset coaching. I don't know if you've attended any of those live. I did one of them last month. So that was with... Um, Alexander in Canada, I think. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we alternate between um, Alex in Canada and Trisha, who is British, okay. but she lives in the UAE. Okay. And so we have kind of a, a mix from around the world. And I love sitting in on those sessions, like if yeah. I have time, because yeah. I think sometimes we're so busy and you're like, oh, mindset coaching, I don't need that. My mindset's great. But it's just having the ability to sit there for an hour switch everything else off yeah and just take it all in and I find that when I do that if I make the time for that because what what our mindset coaches deliver is amazing yeah that I feel that just my creativity goes like that yeah, yeah. that it's just it, it gives me such a boost where you never would have thought about that yeah 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 you're so right and I mean just even female fusion I just love the fact that um it's a safe space. And as you said, yeah. we can learn from each other. Um, if we're struggling with something, I'm sure there's plenty of support. And I think that's the whole, I think that's how it should be. Women should uplift one another. And nice girls only. <laughs> that, that, that's my view. Honestly, like, really, yeah. if you're not nice, if you're not supportive, if you're not collaborative, it's not the, the right place for yeah. you. And, you know, if you're somebody who looks at it and goes, well, I just want to make win business and get get jobs off of people. That's not really what it's about. Yeah. About either, because there's so much more to building your business. Of and course. if you don't have those other things in place, your business isn't going to grow. Anyways. Yeah, of course. And but why would anyone want to isolate themselves? You know, it's just yeah. so great to be part of a group where. You know, you have that sense of belonging and... And everybody's nice, yeah. you know, and that's like, I love that. I really try and the team try really hard that, you know, you want to walk in the room and just be surrounded by really nice people yeah. who kind of get it. And it doesn't matter if she's just starting out and she has a yeah. figure business, yeah. that everybody has commonality and they're able to support each other. We, yeah. um, we had one member who I was talking to and she has an eight-figure business, really, wow. really successful business. And she said to me, she's like, you know, I've been angel investing in some of the female fusion businesses. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I did not. <laughs> wow. And, you know, that to me was so cool as well, yeah. that we can be a catalyst for that, that we're, we're banging on all the time saying, you know, there's not enough funding that are going to female-owned mm. businesses. Mm. And then to see that through our connections in the community yeah. that women are doing that and investing in in each other which is cool yeah yeah it is yeah, yeah. so let's i want to talk let's geek out on yes the yes okay Purely because <laughs> i'm sure that i i want to give so much value to to our members and it doesn't matter where they are in sure. the world or where where people are listening 
I think a lot of the legal things as it relates to to your business can be the same. Obviously, there's yeah. there's local variations and you have to apply them differently compared to what the law is in your country. And Correct. hopefully everybody knows that, that if you're in you know, America, you need to follow the rules there, Canada Correct. or the UK or Greece or the UAE. Correct. Everybody has different laws, but there are certain yeah. legal principles I think that we should all be following. The first one I wanted to talk to you about, let's start at the very beginning of somebody's business journey, because a lot of times what happens is people will set up a business. They'll either, if they're in the UK or Europe, they'll incorporate their business or they'll get a trade license, depending upon where they are. And then they'll think, okay, that's good. I'm an entrepreneur. I have a business. (laughs) I'm good to go. Um, And they skip the legal stuff. Yeah. What are some of the basics? Like if you are getting started in business, what would you recommend are the key legal things that you need to think about? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Jen. Um, you know, you mentioned that um, business owners, they they register a company or get a trade license. But, you know, sometimes they don't even do that because so many business owners start out as um, sole proprietors. So they don't have a formal structure yes. to their business, um, which is uh, which is OK, because, you know, as an entrepreneur, I, I, I know you're so passionate about your ideas and the business itself that sometimes you don't tend to think about these legal mm. um these legal points that could actually have a huge impact on your business in the future. So I would say that the starting point is to assess what is the best structure for your business. There are advantages of being a sole proprietor, but then there are disadvantages as well. Whereas there are advantages of being a limited company, but then there are some well, not disadvantages, but there are reporting requirements and yes. you know all these tax extra returns and tax returns, KYCs and anti-money laundering and all of these different things. Correct. So let's talk about the risks as a sole proprietor. Now, those change depending upon where the country is. So, for example, in Europe, and I've been mm-hmm. lucky that I've had businesses in a number of different countries. In a number of countries. You, if you're a sole proprietor, you don't have to register or incorporate a company. You just go, Correct. okay, I'm Betty. I'm going to have Correct. this company. I'm calling it XYZ. You don't need to register anything. And you can accept payments in your personal, name, yeah, Correct. In your personal bank account. Correct. In other countries, you can't do that. So, for example, in and I just want to clarify that before we jump into things, because, for example, in the Middle East, mm-hmm. and um, that's mainly the GCC region, mm-hmm. there's no such thing as that, that you actually have to pay the money to the government every year to be recognized, even if you're a sole trader. Okay. So that's, um, but some people don't do that because they're used to maybe being in the UK mm. where, you know, you don't need to do that. So I think, oh, I can go here and do that. And right. I don't need to be registered. Okay. Yeah. So just anybody listening to that, if you are in those countries, legally, you have to do the right thing. <laughs> correct. Correct. And also bear in mind that as a sole proprietor, your liability is always unlimited. That is, uh, which is not and a great situation to be in. And it's like honest. that everywhere in the world. Everywhere. everywhere. Everywhere in the world. So if, you know, God forbid, if your business goes south, 
your personal assets could be used to pay off any debts that you might have collected right. in the process. But goodbye car, goodbye house. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, <laughs> God forbid, but yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think the starting point is to assess what business structure is best for you. Sometimes, uh, you know, you could start with one business structure. So, for example, if you're not, um, if you don't have the resources to start a company and go through all of those requirements, you start out as a sole trader, but then your business evolves, you're doing well, you're scaling, then think of registering yeah. as a company. So, almost you test your business idea first to make sure that it's actually going to work if um, if you're not ready to take that step to go and register as a limited liability company. And then, um, so you're testing that business idea. It really works. You're really busy and you're like, yeah. okay, I'm going with it. And then you register. Yeah. Then it's time. Well, and I'm surprised though, yeah. like some people who have big businesses, like seven figure businesses, and they're trading as a sole trader. Well, I'm right. <laughs> You're like, but yeah, it's a bit yeah. risky. It is very, very risky. Yeah. And to be honest, I always advise clients to, to 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 register as a company at the outset. Yeah, I mean, the worst that will happen is, you know, if you want to stop trading, it's just a, such a simple procedure at company's house. You can dissolve your company. Yes. Um, In the UAE. Not a simple procedure. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, absolutely. Here in the UK, it's really easy to do that. And yeah. I think in most countries in Europe, it's relatively easy to go and do that. Yeah, um, but even in the Middle East, I, you know, even if there are lots of, there's like a lot of paperwork to go through, I still think you'd rather be safe than sorry. And yeah. um, it's just probably worth going through the headache, you know. Well, and it is, you know, you there is a cost to having a business. Of course. And of course. I, I think that's one thing that businesses need to be aware of, that if you're going to set up a business, it's not going to cost nothing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you set up a services-based business, your setup costs are going to be lower and your ability probably to start charging customers, you'll be able to do that sooner. Yeah. But it's still... There are overheads always. Always, always. Yeah, and yeah. if you don't have that that money, that maybe it's not the right time to, to set up a business either. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But one can't escape overheads. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so we've got our company structure. Yeah. Um, so, and that, for that, if it's complicated, I think it's always good to consult a lawyer to make sure that you get the the right structure but Correct. if it's something more simple you're able to do the registration yourself in whatever country you're in basically that's correct and it's also probably good to consult a lawyer um, to understand the tax implications that come with the business structure so you'd rather be aware of all the tax implications at the outset than you know be surprised later on and that that's actually a really good point because probably about 15 years ago, mm -hmm. my other business that I had, I set up a company in Brussels. Okay. And I didn't think too much of it that my, my main business, my first business was in the UK. It mm -hmm. was based in London. And we had so much business in Brussels. And we were working with the European Commission okay. and Parliament. That was when the UK was in the EU. In the EU. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I need to have a presence there. Yeah. And I got a physical office, had team, all of these things. And but 
what had happened is I had asked my accounting firm for mm -hmm. their advice to go and do it. And mm -hmm. you would think that an accounting firm would understand, mm -hmm. yeah, but the they tax. did not. <laughs> and instead what they did is they set it up as a second limited liability company in Belgium rather than as a branch. And so, mm. yeah, and you, you know that. And so what, what happened is it cut my tax allowance for yeah. my business in the UK. Correct. So what that meant is actually I had a bigger tax bill in the UK that I had to pay yeah. because the registration was done incorrectly. So we had to completely deregister the business. Yeah, and yeah. and that actually was quite expensive. That yeah. cost quite a lot of money that we had to deregister the business and reset it up again as a branch. Yeah. Actually, Belgium is not easy. The UK is easy. Belgium, not, not easy. easy. <laughs> My God, Jen, you really have global experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like that that people yeah. don't don't think about, yeah. right? Because they go, oh, we're, I'm going to have an office here. I'm going to set one up in that country, in that country. And especially when it comes to things like taxation you need to really be of course clear on what what yeah. the implications are for that of course yeah 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 um these are points to think about for sure uh, but once you've set up and you have that out of the way then comes the fun stuff <laughs> uh, but then there's also um a checklist that every entrepreneur should kind of follow so um make sure you have any kind of licenses that you might need. Some are industry-specific licenses. Yeah. Some are geographical licenses. Um, so, uh, for example, if you're a restaurant owner, you probably need, uh, you know, health, like food and hygiene yeah. licenses. Um, if you're in, in the construction industry, you know, health and safety rules, um, you need relevant insurance policies, um, depending on which industry you know yeah. you're working in but every every business every needs business insurance. needs yeah it does not matter where of, in yeah. the world you are how many businesses actually have insurance not you know i come across quite a few that don't um i'm sure you do as well yeah honestly that is that should be one of the you know honest i actually would categorize it as a legal essential yeah. uh, and it's actually not even a legal essential it just is a business essential to have the relevant insurance policies um for example if you are a professional you need to have professional indemnity insurance if you're employing people you need to have employers liability insurance yeah. or if you have if you're offering products product liability insurance so you depending on what your offering is make sure you are in contact with insurers and you know you have the adequate covers in place but i think people don't do it um, one, because they're trying to save money in the mm. beginning. But I think also as well, because there's no list. Like nobody nobody yeah. tells you, right? Like when, I, I don't know about you, when you set up your business, the first business I had, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. <laughs> and you kind Tell of you it, ask Jen. questions and you talk to people. and it's all back trial then, and error. It was all trial and yeah, error, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is why I'm like so passionate yeah. about this in female fusion that I'm like, yeah. let me save you the time and the money. Yeah. That will give you all of this information within within female fusion because yeah, you definitely. shouldn't have to try and work out and where it's it is. daunting you know to be honest um okay as a lawyer i'm regulated by the sra so i i knew i have to you know 
fulfill all of the SRA's requirements. So I needed professional indemnity insurance. We can't offer advice without that. Uh, but yeah, all of the other stuff, yeah, it's for us to figure by ourselves. Yeah. And um, But you know what's interesting is, and I think it depends upon where your business is registered or licensed. So in the UK, there's no, you have to do it, but the government doesn't check. And mm -hmm. people get away with it until something happens. Mm -hmm. And then you do not. <laughs> but even in the UK, it's not that it's not that expensive, really, in the, the grand scheme of things to get this sort of insurance that, that you need to run your business. But for the business that I have, so Female Fusion, we are licensed in the UAE and mm -hmm. Dubai. And the authority that licenses us every year that we do the renewal of our license, because we have to pay a fee every year, mm -hmm. that they ask for proof of our insurance. Correct. Which I think is really good. They ask yeah. for proof of our insurance. They ask for our audited accounts as well. So Correct. I have to get yeah. the business audited every year. And what I found is that that actually, um, when it comes to things like if you want to open a bank account, if you want a credit card, if you want to any sort of corporate stuff where you need to have approvals or have a payment gateway, that you get approved right away. Because... Yeah. To them, to them, they go, oh, your license is from there. Well, you're good because we know that your accounts are audited and yeah. they get checked and that you have insurance and that you're running your business properly. So we can trust you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely adds credibility and yeah. it mitigates risk for you. Totally. <laughs> but, you know, I'm also, I'm very risk adverse, right? So I'm, I always think, and maybe it's because in my, my one of my first jobs I did a lot of crisis management okay. and so I'm my brain is always trained to think 10 steps ahead about <laughs> what if this what if this what if this and so then I think backwards yeah, and yeah. go but I don't ever want to get sued yeah. okay I'm gonna have this insurance we need that insurance and yeah. yeah you know it's it's making sure you have that in place to protect your business yeah no but that 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 is great Jen to be honest that's how lawyers think and I'm surprised you don't have a law degree <laughs> I think my mum wishes that I was a lawyer <laughs> I think you partly are yeah. it's just on paper you don't have the degree but by experience just you are street smarts yeah that's all <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's great. Um, it's great when business owners are this aware um, yeah. and um, and are able to because business is a labor of love. So if you're able to protect it, uh, that's amazing. Oh, that's a really nice way to describe it, right? That it is, you know, and it is our labor of love of that you put in so much love. Of course, that you want it to. Yeah, you know, I the, and it's like with female fusion. I just love it so much that we want to protect it because it's a business for everybody yeah. as well and you know yeah i can tell because the energy of female fusion is is so great and i can i can uh -huh. tell <laughs> yeah. you put in a lot of yeah passion and love into it it's because we love our members <laughs> that's right so okay so one thing we were talking about briefly just before we started filming as well sometimes small businesses especially in the beginning like to do things as cheaply as possible yes yeah and I see this all the time and look I hold my hand up in the very beginning not with female fusion because I've learned but with previous businesses I've done things like where can I buy a template and mm. you know where can I find this so I don't have to pay a lawyer mm. um because that kind of scared me that I was like but I don't have the 
the money. Yeah. So, and a lot of businesses do this. So I see that they do it either that they find um, websites, mainly in America. Yeah. um, Where they will go and buy a template. Correct. Use those templates for whatever it is that they're looking for. Or the other thing that they'll do, which is really, really naughty, is they will look at somebody who's doing something similar to that and they will copy it. Yeah, yeah shouldn't be doing that and you Correct. know we even I even saw one instance where a business did that was to one of our members and they didn't even change like they didn't even go <laughs> through and check the terms and so it actually had the name of the other business oh in the God. terms and you were yeah, like yeah yeah can't you That's use command really f <laughs> you know and find and change yeah, yeah. so big no-no but what 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 advice would you give to business? Because there are some that are just bootstrapping and we want to be yeah. able to help them do the best that they possibly can. Yeah, no, I totally appreciate this um, because I have had clients, um, you know, who, who are sort of cash strapped and feel like it's a lot to invest in. But the only thing I'd say is prevention is better than cure. So think yeah. of it as an as a step that you must take to prevent, um, you know, further legal costs, you don't want to fall into trouble and then actually end up spending more money. So when you're starting a business, you know, try and allocate a little budget for your legal framework as well. And um, you don't need to do everything all at once. It can be just prioritize what's super So what would you say would be the priority ones that a small business should look at? Should it be things like, on the digital space, so your terms and conditions yeah. on your website, your privacy policy. Yes. Yeah. Um, so terms and conditions are super important, yeah. whether you have an e-shop or even otherwise, because uh, terms and conditions or a service agreement, yeah. people do it, you know, either or any form is fine. Um, but that actually uh, outlines the expectations between you and your client. And yeah. That, I think, is definitely a document every business should have. And whether you're offering products or services doesn't matter, but having terms and conditions, because your terms and conditions will have terms of payment. Um, What happens if there's a defect in the product? And, of course, every country has consumer laws and your terms Mm. should reflect that. uh, if you're a service provider, for example, some of my clients are coaches. So, you know, in their terms and conditions, I have a rescheduling policy, a cancellation policy. What if there's a no show? Um, you know, what happens then? Limitation of liability. Yeah. What is the coach liable for? What you as a um, as a service provider are liable for? Disclaimers. All of this is you know, very clearly and systematically documented in your service agreement or service level agreement or terms and conditions. So this is a document that's very, very important. First document you need probably? Yes, I would say so. So the first two, I'd say, depending on where you are, like for example, in the UK, data protection is very important. Yes. And I know in the UAE as well, in 2002, there have been um, amendments to the privacy law yeah. and now you need to have a documented privacy policy even in the UAE. Yeah. Um, Most countries do. I mean, there's a few correct. that don't. But, you know, the thing is, is if you're doing business internationally, I sort of feel that we should be doing it to an international yeah. standard. Absolutely. Um, and even things like GDPR yeah. that um, e- even though for us as a business, we don't necessarily have to follow GDPR, it's good business 
practice is kind of ethical business practice in a way absolutely but you know you'd be well it's not a surprise but because the gdpr is so robust yeah. uh, that every country is now modeling its yeah. privacy law based on that so that's the benchmark yeah uh, and if you are if you have your privacy notice that you know ticks all the boxes on the gdpr legislation that's it you you're know you good. yeah you're good so i'd say a privacy notice terms and conditions these are the two main documents that mm-hmm. you must start out with of course if you are employing if you already have staff employment contract yes are important or if you are outsourcing some of um some of the work um to contractors then you need to have a freelancer agreement or an independent contractor agreement yeah. um but any Th- those are really important actually very. and a lot of times um small businesses will try and cut corners and not do that yeah. um and that can put you at risk you know i see a lot of times yeah. people have not wanted to pay for it and then there's a dispute that happens maybe that person hasn't delivered the work yeah. or they paid the person in advance and yeah. they didn't get the information because when when we onboard contractors they you know we get a copy of their passport we know where yeah. they live we have contact information um so even if we do pay in advance but normally we pay after the work is mm-hmm. delivered that you know who you're who you're dealing with and you've done your due diligence for that person yeah i mean it's due diligence but you know even on a deeper level sometimes they may be privy to your business's confidential information Correct. they may have access to your intellectual property yeah. and those are very they are intangible but they are very valuable assets yes and you need to protect them at all costs so you it's it's very important to have a document you know where you have these obligations with any third party you're yeah. dealing with even if it's your friend or a family member <laughs> yes. as well and i say that to people because i've seen yeah. and yeah. people will say to me oh i went into business with my yeah. friend and then you know this happened or that happened yeah. and it doesn't matter even if it's her childhood friend to make sure that you have a a service agreement of some kind in place to go yeah. and protect both parties both as parties well. and to make sure there's no ambiguity yeah. um to make sure that um um actually if you have a clear agreement you can you can prevent disputes as yeah. well and um verbal agreements i don't want to get too technical but verbal agreements are valid mm. but it's just so hard to enforce them you know of course which is why i always tell people that okay a verbal agreement or a handshake agreement is fine it's technically it is valid but then it's so difficult to prove who said what you know you'd rather yes. just have it in in writing yeah and i think that's that's really important to be able to have that because you want it to be clear for everybody because there's I don't like disputes. I don't like the Yeah, me neither. confrontation. It just feels oh, especially when you're trying yeah. to run your business. Yeah. And when you hire somebody, you want to be able to have that in writing to say this is what you're doing, this is our obligations, this is Correct. what we're going to pay you, this is when we're going to pay you. And Absolutely. that that makes it clear and fair for for everybody. Yeah. But sometimes business owners, especially if you haven't done that before, they feel quite uncomfortable with that or like, "Oh, you know, it's my friend or it's my brother or yeah. I don't feel comfortable doing that." But actually, 
that's the best thing you can do to really protect that relationship as well. Of course, yeah. I was yeah. just going to say, it's not only protecting the business, but I think it's protecting that relationship as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely we need agreements. So we have that. Those are the essentials at the beginning. Correct. Now our business grows. We're doing well. We've maybe, you know, and I think this happens when you've really had your business idea proven and you've hit over, you know, $100,000, £100,000 turnover or, or revenue, that that really shows you that you're on to something. You're a six-figure business now. Mm -hmm. Things are going well. What other things do business owners need to think about at that point? Well, at that point, um, take stock of um of where your business is at and how it's evolved. So if there are new offerings that you've added, make sure you your terms and conditions are updated. Yeah. So keep updating your documents depend to reflect where your business is at. If your team has grown, again, make sure you have employment contracts in every country or every jurisdiction they have, um, that there are obligations that an employer has to fulfill. So make sure you are you know, following the yeah. Yeah, legal requirements as well. Um, the other, um, it's and it's great if your business has expanded and if you're actually thinking of franchising, then, you know, franchise agreements come, um, come into play. Mm -hmm. So you have franchise agreements. Make sure you're protecting your intellectual property because your brand is now valuable um, and you don't want anyone misappropriating your brand, your confidential information. So if you are dealing with third parties, um, have um, have all those documents in place, whether it's non-disclosure agreements or, um, or, or just, um, you know, agreements that, that, that protect your IP. Um, I think these are the documents that you should consider if you are growing your business. Okay. And what about, at what point should a business start thinking about things like intellectual property as well? So honestly, as soon as they can. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right at the outset, because if you, and it actually starts with, um, in a way, it's step one, because, you know, before you actually finalize the name, you should be running a search uh, in the UK, whether it's Companies House or similarly in the UAE or any other country. Yeah. Uh, make sure the name is available and that you're so that you you're, you're not copying some someone else's existing trade name yeah. or trademark. Yeah. Uh, so that actually is step one, because then what happens is if you haven't realized and then suddenly you get a notice saying, oh, oh you know, painful, <laughs> right? yeah, happens. and you don't want that because you've already invested in your branding. And then it's actually rather sad to, yeah. uh, to have to change the name and then reinvest in, in branding. So yeah. I think that should actually be step one. Run a search to see that the name you're thinking of trading under, if that's available or not. Okay. And then once you have the budget, um, you know, um, think, consider um, protecting your trademark um, with the intellectual property office. Or if, you know, if you are into tech and then there are innovations and inventions and those sort of things, then that would 
outcome that would be subject matter for patent protection so there are different categories of intellectual property protection available for yeah. different types of subject matter and this is why an ip lawyer i guess would be really handy do you yeah. cover ip as well or you have so the funny thing jen is that i started out as an ip lawyer <laughs> okay so gita is our lady our ip lady yeah. within female fusion <laughs> Because I, I did my master's, uh, my entire master's degree was in intellectual property oh, wow. law because I love the subject. It's a it's a vast subject and I could be talking about yeah. it for hours and hours. Um, but um, it's very interesting, very, very important. And, yes. you know, you, all these big, big tech giants, the millions that they've earned is all thanks to their intellectual property. Yeah. Um, it's just that when I started my own practice, I had to diversify yeah. and I could no longer just restrict myself to IP matters. And ironically, now um, I hardly do IP matters. Everything really? is contracts. Everything is commercial, commercial, commercial. Well, maybe maybe when people listen to this interview, they might go, oh, Gage is my lady for helping me with IP because it is so important to get that that done as well. That's one of the things that we did for Female Fusion very mm -hmm. early on as well because I realized that as the brand was growing that there were people who were starting to copy us. Oh, um, yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and I don't know if it, well, no, it was deliberate because mm -hmm. people would look at it and go, oh, well, that looks super easy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the whole thing. We make it look easy. <laughs> and there have been a number of, either groups on Facebook or people who have tried to to set yeah. up businesses. Yeah. And I'm very protective of that that IP now that I will yeah. like I will fight back on that because that's something that yeah. I've worked very hard on for a number of years that you have to protect that as yeah. well. Yeah. And it's it's also responsibility towards consumers. That's the whole idea of intellectual property yeah. law. You cannot deceive consumers. So anything that's misleading is then caught under IP law yes. and then you have the right to, I mean, you can enforce your rights. Yeah. One thing I would say about that, I don't know if you agree or not, but I've seen a few occasions where um, businesses have just started out and they're, they, you know, have heard different things where people have said, oh, intellectual property is really important. And they've actually met lawyers who have said to them, yeah, 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 you know, we have to like do the intellectual property. But the registration process, depending upon the country that you're in, can yes. be quite expensive. Yeah. The UAE is very expensive. Oh, the UAE yeah. is incredibly expensive. Yeah. You're looking at about 3,000 US dollars yeah, yeah. To, to put in an application yeah. for intellectual property. And then every stage you incur more costs. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So it's not, it, it's not easy. Yeah. And so I would say to people as well that be sure that that's a business idea that you're going to run with that don't just go out because there's a couple businesses that I've met who were told that they should do part of their whole setup of their business is that they should have incorporated or done their, their intellectual property as well. Mm. And they spent a lot of money doing the intellectual property. Yeah. And then the business idea didn't work. Yeah. So yeah. there needs to be a certain bit of making sure, especially if it's a brand, brand new startup, unless yeah. it's like really tech intensive yeah. Do you need the IP in the beginning? Well, if you don't have any customers, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, actually, that's 
There's no right or wrong answer here because, like you said, sometimes it could be very expensive. In the UK, fortunately, it's not very it's expensive. Three hundred pounds, isn't it? So the government fee is a hundred and seventy, and um, if you and they've made it quite easy, you can just log into the IPO. Um, yeah, website, and then they've got a guide, and you know you can actually follow the guide and um, and even do it by yourself. Of course, if you're not feeling confident, then okay. commissioning a lawyer to do it. But even then, I think it would it should be under five hundred pounds, which is not That's too great. bad. Which yeah. is not too bad. So I was quite surprised as well when I started seeing <laughs> IP registrations in Dubai and how expensive they were. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's the the UAE became part of the World Intellectual Property mm-hmm. Organization about almost two years ago now, and we all thought that the fees were going Would to reduce. go down, and we thought, oh, you know, it'll be great. You know, our fees will be like what people are paying yeah. in the UK, and they have not. They're still exactly the same. The only thing that's yeah. different is you can then go to to WIPO and register in a number of other countries as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing with intellectual property rights. They are territorial. Yeah. Which is why you have to then register in every jurisdiction. If that's the market you want to exploit, then it is recommended that yeah. you do that. Now, for example, with my law firm, I it is a registered trademark, but only in the UK because my practice is very local. Yeah. Um, so I don't have it registered in multiple jurisdictions. But you can in Europe. Can you register for the whole EU? You can. Yeah. And then you have like a centralized uh, registration system under the Madrid protocol. Yeah. It's called wherein you fill one form, you designate the countries that you want protection in. Why can't it be easy? <laughs> everywhere, right? <laughs> I know. I know. No, And I, I, I do appreciate it can be um, an expensive process. Uh, yeah. And that's something that a business should think about. So I think a good idea would be to to just focus on the jurisdiction or the market that you want to exploit and assess, you know, whether you sh- whether you want to register your trademark or not. What's more important, I think, is make sure you're starting with a name that is available so that there are no claims yeah. against you. You know, I think that's what's important because once you've once you've done that due diligence and you have that proof, you know, you took all these steps, you ran a search, there was nothing. Um, you know, on the register yeah. that was similar or identical. Um, yeah. But isn't it important, like, how those... It seems like such a small step, but it's actually such an important building block for your business. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I... Uh, so so before I named my practice, I had thought of another name, but that wasn't available. Yeah. <laughs> and that's hard as, as more and more people set up businesses just yeah. to find names that aren't already <laughs> taken and domain names as well. Yeah. You know, one of my first businesses, I had like a four digit domain name dot com. Oh, right. Like that. That'll be worth like so yeah. much money now. Yeah. You're never able to get things like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 So it's just, you know, being able to to do all of those things right at the beginning. Yeah. So I have one last question for you. And I think this is one thing that that business owners struggle with a lot. So legal expenses can vary a lot. And, you know, and I understand that, right? Because it reflects also the amount of work that lawyers put in, plus the value and all of that sort of stuff. It's important. But how can um, a small business maybe get the legal support that they want 
uh, but maybe not have those huge, huge fees that they're they're scared of because a lot of times they yeah, don't go to a lawyer because they're scared yeah. that it's going to cost too much money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think this is uh, where we as lawyers should uh, consciously start um, being more approachable. And that's what I always try and be, you know, because uh, uh, I know the perception about lawyers, but uh, there are friendly lawyers. Gator's <laughs> that <friendly>. exist. <laughs> Here's Gator. <laughs> no, but jokes apart, um, I, I think uh, um, there's lots of lawyers um, uh, and legal professionals who are breaking away from the traditional billable hour model mm -hmm. and offering fixed fee services i um you know as you know i started in 2019 and then the pandemic hit us so my entire practice well 80 percent of it is actually 80 or 90 percent of it is fixed fee basis only okay so that there are no hidden costs um my clients know um how much they should budget um and that's a great tip, actually, to find a lawyer who's going to quote you fixed fees fixed rather fees. than hourly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and for a lot of the pieces of work that is possible. So, for example, for me, I draft agreements or I review agreements, and that's what I'll do on a fixed fee basis. If it's a consultation, then it has to be at an hourly charge-out rate. Yeah. Uh, and even the hourly charge-out rate, it's everything is very transparent. Um, we are meant to be very transparent with fees. And, um, and for example, I actually have my price menu on my website as well. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. And, um, of course, with every year, that might change. But, you know, it's just an indicative... Um, it's an indication of what you can expect. Yeah. Um, so I think these are some of the options. During COVID, I also started um, offering payment plans um, because, yeah, I, I, businesses were struggling at the time. Yeah. So I just feel that uh, I, I tell business owners, don't be scared. Talk to a lawyer. Tell them what your struggles are. And you never know, there might just be a solution. So there can be fixed fees, there can be payment plans. Um, and uh, like that, yeah, you can reach a solution. But you need a lawyer. or You need a lawyer. Within your entrepreneurial journey, you are going to need a lawyer. Yeah. And when yeah. you're in female fusion, you get to be yeah. Gita. Yeah. And we have lawyers throughout um, female fusion. And yeah. so it's I'm happy to help always. Oh, well, thank you so much, Gita. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for geeking out on the law with me today. <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> pleasure. I hope our listeners have, um, yeah, taken something back with them. And uh, they don't have to be scared about law. Absolutely. <laughs> and their legals. Uh, yeah, just find a friendly lawyer <laughs> who will help you through things. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Women on the Rise podcast. Thanks, Jen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Women on the Rise podcast and our 30 most inspiring female entrepreneurs. If you are inspired by today's episode, why not come and join us in Female Fusion? We would absolutely love to have you. This is where you will be able to connect with the most incredible female entrepreneurs who are all committed to building a most profitable business. All you need to do is head over to femalefusionnetwork.com forward slash join. I look forward to seeing you on the inside.